Thanks for checking out the Campfire Conversationalist podcast. Today, John and myself, Dreadmad, we'll be talking about some basic survival skills that we think everybody should try to incorporate into their life just in case something happens, like your car breaks down or zombies come to eat your face off, whatever. Anyways, thanks a lot for checking out the Campfire Conversationalist podcast. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook and YouTube. Uh, Talk about us if you like us on social media. Share, and thanks for listening. And here we go. Once again, this is the Campfire Conversationalist podcast, and this is Dreadmat, and that is John. And we are going to talk about some basic survival skills that I think everyone should utilize. They should, they need to have stuff that's affordable for literally almost anybody, no matter what your budget is. I mean, dude, if you're homeless, you could probably collect cans and do what I'm telling you. If you've got a tent and a pot to cook on or whatever. Not a pot to piss in, but a pot to cook on. Um, <laughs> um, so, yeah, I actually started, we started recording this and I realized I wasn't streaming this like a doofus. And before, uh, John was showing me some some of these tablets that he had actually, oh, I, I won't say he introduced me to them. I had heard of them before, but he's the first person I had ever known that actually had them and uh, he showed them to me in real life, not just on the internet. So these tablets are like a a compact. um, These are, well, let me, let me point out. These are just one of the type of wipes that you can get out there. I mean, they're all, they all come in these little tablets. Um, And if you can read on there, hold on. Multi-purpose wipes. So these are just one type. Okay. And I'll even pull one out. Yeah, I, ha- I have some too, and I got mine on Amazon, and they're really—they're uh, not super cheap, but I mean, there's enough of them in a bag to last you a pretty long time. And they're super strong. Yeah, yeah, so, like like you, like you can pull on them and they won't rip like a, a paper towel or whatever. They're way stronger than a paper towel. Oh yeah, yeah. So there's. I, I think these are really handy for a million different reasons. Um, number one, you they're obviously used for wiping <laughs> wiping your booty. And yeah. if, you know, 2020 taught us anything, wiping your booty, people tend to freak out when there's nothing to wipe your booty. Um, Th- that being said, um, post 100 years ago, no one had toilet paper. No, post probably 50 years ago, most people didn't have toilet paper. What did they use? Or pre, not post. God, I don't know what I'm saying. Newspaper, um, whatever sticks, leaves. I have no idea. But I mean, I, I don't think toilet paper has been around for that long. Look it up. Let's let's I'll fact check. Okay, let's <laughs> fact check. Oh, okay. Hey, wait, wait. So I'm going to demonstrate. Right. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. I'm going to go ahead. And, so uh, I have I have a tea here, and you can use any type of liquid, but I have a tea here, so I'm going to use my tea, and I'm just going to stick my pinky in there, dab some on, and it doesn't take much.
of course, this time it would take like a ton. <laughs> yeah, I actually saw a kit on Amazon that came with a dispenser that you can like put in your, if you're a woman, a purse, or I guess if in your pocket or backpack if you're a man. Mm-hmm. And it, it holds the exact amount of water you need for one tablet. Mm-hmm. And it came with the bag for free. Now, I don't have that one. I found that one after I had already bought the bag that I have. Yeah. But yeah, you, you don't need a, a whole lot of water or liquid. Um, I will say, uh, I I think we had a situation, I don't remember what happened, where someone was bleeding. Not bad. You know, a little cut or whatever. And I tried using alcohol, and alcohol does not soak into these very well. But okay. H2O2, hydrogen peroxide, does. So if you want to use these for like a, I don't want to say like someone's bleeding out and they're dying, but like, you know, if someone's got like a minor cut or abrasion and you just, that's what you have available right there. It's the first thing you have and you have some hydrogen peroxide. Um, You can pour hydrogen peroxide on that. It'll absorb it and you can put that right on a wound right away and it works really well. So I've tested that myself. You've used it on blood? Yeah. That's a really good idea, dude. Yeah, I don't remember what made me think of it, but I, I think it might have just been the only thing in reach at the moment and someone was bleeding. So this is what it is when it's fully expanded. <laughs> it's ridiculously big, you know. Um, and to pull it, it's made out of like a pulp fiber. And to pull it apart, I mean... There. <laughs> Yeah, they're they're actually pretty tough. Yeah, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna put in the in the in the comment the link I found for toilet paper. It says roughly eighteen, I don't know, eighty three or something. I mean, I don't think it was being used everywhere then. Maybe that's yeah. when people started using it and it got popular. Um, that's according to Wikipedia again. I don't know that I necessarily believe Wikipedia, but that was just a quick search. Uh, so toilet paper's been around for maybe a hundred and. 25 or 30 years roughly so before that who knows some people were using their fingers i don't know um i prefer a bidet i want to use the bidet every day um (laughs) i just i just can't afford one because i'm a normal person but like i said i want to use a bidet every day right um so my my patreon if anyone is you know patreon at dread maps whatever if anyone wants to hook me up with a bidet or whatever I have one. I just haven't installed it. Oh, nice. Yeah, no, they're actually fairly cheap. I think you can find a decent one for like that hooks up to your toilet for like 50, 60 bucks. Yeah. And it sounds like they might work okay. Um, since I've actually never used a real bidet, I have nothing to compare it to. Right. Um, but I imagine that's better than using your fingers in a sticky situation. Okay, so right. the but point these... of this count go ahead, sorry. Oh, I was gonna say these uh <clears throat> the reason I like these is so this bag right here has I don't know if you can see but it has a hundred okay each one of these you can probably get I would say two wipes out of so each tablet two wipes if you were in a really like uh, desperate uh, desperate you could probably stretch that further I don't know if I would be willing to do that, but <laughs> I, I I don't know. I, it's kind of hard to say because I grew up in, in like a wooded area and I have used all kinds of things, you know, leaves. I've used all, I mean, everything. I, I think one time I tried to use skunkweed. 
Um, and that was kind of like not good, but at least it wasn't like my friend that tried to use poison ivy unknowingly. Oh, you know. one time I had a I had an emergency situation, and we we're uh, I, w- I was working with Eric at the time. Um, for those of you who don't know, he was a good buddy of mine. Um, I, he literally disappeared. I don't know where he is anymore. Um, and I haven't talked to him in a, well, years. I talked to his brother all the time, but I don't. I literally don't know what happened to him. But you know, we we used to work together, and you know, I was his employee, and we were waiting for a customer to get home, and I had to go i'm talking like i'm like dude we i gotta go and he's like well we can't leave the customer and i show up and i don't want him you know to show up when we're not here yeah so i um if anybody if anybody who's ever done manual labor will know what i'm talking about if you haven't you probably won't know what i'm talking about but i'm sure you've used those like cloth brown gloves they're like they're good for a couple of uses depending on what you're using them for they're like maybe a buck a pair you know what i'm talking about they're brown they're made of cloth they're not really like super durable but if you're just using them for the day or whatever do you know they work you know what i'm talking about yeah those brown gloves yeah i i use those all the time i've used socks yeah um go ahead and keep talking i'm gonna go grab my bag of of tablets and all right i'll show what i have go ahead all right. So the good thing about these, the thing that I think they're so handy for. So number one, this is a small bag, small bag of a hundred, but they will go a very long time because you're not planning on this being, you know, this, this is this is your backup. This is like a worst case scenario. So um, I take these hunting because this leaves me the opportunity that if an emergency arises I don't have to have like a full roll of toilet paper with me I can just carry around like a you know just like a little uh, sandwich bag and throw a handful of these in and you're good you have an emergency you go you know you don't um, it doesn't require a lot of liquid and in a worst case scenario (laughs) we're talking really really worst case scenario um if you even if you didn't have water, most of the time you have pee reservoirs in your body, and you, your pee is sterile. And it sounds gross, but essentially you could use pee to pull these apart and use these. Um, like I said, that is an absolute worst case scenario. That is, uh, there's no water. You can't find any water, um, but you have to go. So. Stuff like that happens, you know. I was just telling everyone that um, in a worst-case scenario, hey, I was just telling everyone in a worst-case scenario, you can use your own pee. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pee sterile. You're, I mean, I think it's sterile to you. I don't know how that works exactly. Like, I'm not looking for John to go pee on me or anything unless... <laughs> Whatever. Let's, that's not a topic that we're having, but... That would be a real emergency situation if John had to pee on me. But yeah, no, I know your, your pee is sterile too, at least yourself, I know. Um, it's probably not something most people want to think about or talk about, but yeah. Um, so here's the one that I have. I didn't realize the bag that I have. Let's see, the bag I have. How many is in here? There's a lot in here. Let me see that bag. There's 500. It's kind of hard to read because I have it kind of dark. Yeah, I got... Room. Hey, I've got... 
I've got, I think, four or five bags of those. Yeah, and these ones are pretty nice. I didn't so, know this until I got way down into the bag, but there's they come with four tubes. Yep. And you, so these are like for your pocket, um, and you can refill them. Yeah. I didn't, and like I said, I didn't even know that until I got way down into the bag. I was like, oh, sweet. So yeah, I have Rebecca carry one of these in her purse. Mm-hmm. I carry one in my pocket if I remember to grab it before I leave. Um, that way we always have something just in case. And there's usually, <clears throat> like on this one, they actually give like little tips for other things that you can use it for. You can use it for baby wipes. Um, yeah. So say I, I've done it a couple times, you know, three kids in. It's happened to me a couple times, not too often, to where you are, you know, you're constantly using the baby wipes in the baby bag, and someone forgets that you or you don't realize that you're all the way down, and all of a sudden you're left in a circumstance where you have like one wipe. Now these are these are totally scent free, fragrance free. Um, so there's no perfumes, no additives whatsoever. And so if you use this on a baby butt, it's it's not going to hurt the baby butt, you know. But I like I said, I have had it happen where you you just run out of the house, you know, check the uh, you know, the baby wipes and you're down to like one baby wipe. Yeah, we've had that happen before too. Not very and then, often, and then you have like an explosive, you know, load, <laughs> and you're like, "What do I do? I only have one wipe." And then you, I remember going into a store and trying to find whatever kind of wipes I could find. And at that point, it's like you you might be buying scented ones or you know stuff that actually could give your baby a rash. Whereas if you just like had that little tube with some of these and a little bit of water. You're good. And on the back, it actually tells you, like, different things that you can put into them. Um, You can add lemon to cut through grease, vinegar to kill germs, um, toner to freshen up. I don't know about that one. Um, But you can add a cleanser for hygiene. So all kinds of different weird stuff that you can do. Yeah, and then like I had said, you can use H2O2 in an emergency situation for, like, a minor cut. Um, like I said, I've tried alcohol too, like isopropyl alcohol. Yeah. Just to see. And it didn't soak in like almost at all. Like it like almost like dr- ran off. Like it was like a little bit wet, but it, it wouldn't absorb for whatever reason. Um I'm a I mean I, I can imagine why. It kind of makes sense, but like it was kind of weird at the same time that it didn't absorb. But yeah, so I think it's a good idea to always keep those around. Um, and you can get them on Amazon. I think my pack was like 20 or no, it was like 30 bucks for 500. They're a little pricey, okay. but at the same time, it's not something that you use every day, mm-hmm. but you might want to have them around every day just in case. So that brings me to kind of my next point, which I was going to talk about. And that's okay. So what do you do when you don't have anything to, kind of soak those in and i know john had talked about you could use urine that's a pretty extreme situation i think for most people <laughs> um i'm not saying i wouldn't do it or anything but th- that would be a pretty desperate situation um one thing that you can do is you can distill your own water um we have a water distiller just because me being the person that i am i don't trust the city of wausau or any other city that 
for that matter of mm-hmm. what they're putting in the water or not putting in the water or I don't I don't know what they're doing with the water. Mm-hmm. All I know is when I turn the tap on, water comes out and that's awesome. That's a that's a huge plus and you know, we live in a great time where that can happen. But I don't know what's in that water. Fluoride or any chlorine, they put stuff in the water. Um, and I don't know what's in there. So we distill our water. We take it, you know, we, we take the distiller. It's like a one gallon. We put it right under the tap, pour it up to the fill line. And then you put the top on, you plug it in, plug it in. It takes about five hours to distill one gallon of water. Now that water, when we went camping, I brought three glass jars full of the distilled water. Remember? Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, it. it's great to take have with you wherever you go just you know you can just have clean distilled water that you know is going to be sterile of any well, probably mostly anything yeah. so even if you're in a situation where all you can do is collect maybe rainwater or something you can distill that and then you have clean water those distillers are like they're not too expensive i i don't we bought ours years and years and years ago i don't know what they run for right now they might be like 150 bucks ish um, no, I don't know if you can hear, but I've got a, a dehumidifier going in the background. I like it really dry because I have a hard time breathing when there's any humidity at all. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it has, it, it has crossed my mind that, I mean, if the shit really hit the fan and, you know, we didn't have water, but I had electricity, I could distill water. I mean, I could use the dehumidifier to pull water, moisture out of the air mm-hmm. and distill that water. Now, that's, that'd be a, probably a really weird situation. Like, if you still have power but not water, that would be really strange, I think. But who knows? You know, you never know. I'm just throwing out ideas. If you have a dehumidifier and you're maybe the water's, for whatever reason, Flint, you, John, you've lived near Flint for years. Everyone knows that Flint's had problems with the water. If you live in a place where there's bad water like Flint, you could do that. You could go, well... I mean, assuming you don't live in the desert and it's dry and there's no moisture in the air to collect. But, I mean, if you live, like, in a Midwest state, like we do, um, you could collect water from the air with a dehumidifier and then pour the water into a distiller and just... You might want to distill it twice. I think I probably would do that. Mm-hmm. But you could distill water from a dehumidifier in an emergency situation, I think. Yeah. I don't see why you couldn't. The only thing that I would question is sometimes those dehumidifiers you have to add um certain additives to to stop it from like uh, algae growth yeah yeah i agree so you would probably want to make sure that the basin that it collects water in is clean before you start collecting water it would have to be something you'd almost have to kind of plan out yeah and do constantly um, because otherwise that algae is going to grow up and now you're drinking again, you're, you're trying to distill contaminated water, which actually I can't see even that being because distilling, you're boiling, vaporizing. Yep. And then it goes and then it goes another water. tank. Yeah. So you could take the most filthy water in the entire world, theoretically, theoretically. because once it turns to vapor, it's no longer contaminated. No, I, I would recommend uh, we we don't have the the actual physical space to do this, but I would recommend that after it's distilled, you filter it just to be safe yeah. in an emergency situation. Because a lot of distillers have a, like a little tiny carbon filter 
as it's dripping out, ours does not. Okay. And I, I've tried buying them, but sometimes when I'm going to buy them, they've been out of stock and I just haven't timed it right. Um, so I would say if you do get a distiller and yours comes with a charcoal filter, make sure you stock up on those refills because they're like almost like a tea bag in a way. They're like, you know, a little circle thing of charcoal that as it's being distilled and coming out into the basin that catches the distilled water, mm-hmm. it's going through uh, a charcoal filter. Um, I mean, worst case scenario, you could always make your own. There's plenty of tutorials on how to make your own earth filter. There's basically dirt and charcoal, rocks, dirt, and charcoal. It's They're really simple. I've never made one, but um, it, that's another handy thing to be able to <coughs> to be able to do um well and remember the the principle we're talking about is survival okay right so in survival you can go how long can you go on without water three days roughly three days roughly depending on temperature depending on how dehydrated you are when you start there's a whole lot of factors heat uh if you're in a really hot humid place um you can cut that in half it's a day and a half Okay. After that, you're gonna be losing water because you're sweating so bad. Yeah. So if anybody has never you're been gonna to lose, a you're gonna lose your uh, electrolytes. Once right. you start losing your electrolytes, then you're gonna your cognitive thoughts gonna go with it. Once that happens, then is you're that, I, you're gonna be entering into. Is that why I'm not cognitive? This, it's always humid here. <laughs> Maybe, dude. I knew I needed to be in the desert, man. <laughs> Once once that sets in, okay, um, once you lose your electrolytes, once that starts happening, number one, you're going to get, uh, there's the possibility of diarrhea uh, because you're so dehydrated and your body is just trying to, like, basically survive, okay? Um, mm-hmm. And once all of that begins to shut down, you're going to enter into hyperthermia and then you're basically out. You know, your your body's going to overheat, and then you basically just, you pass. There's there's not a lot, you know. Um, so, when we're talking in the heat, okay? Without right. the heat, um, you're basically just going to get really sick. You're going to feel lethargic. And um, what are the symptoms after that in non-heat-induced um, dehydration? I don't remember them all. I think you're, you're going to suffer a massive headache. Um, yeah, you'll probably get a headache. Yep. You're going to get massive headaches. You're going to sleep a lot. You're going to your body. I'm convinced though, that three days without drinking anything. That's going to be you're you're going to be. You can drink your own. Pee. Just yeah. so you know, if it comes out of that, you can drink your own pee. I'm. There, I, I wouldn't want to do it. But. Well, wait, wait. You can drink your own pee at first. Okay. Right. Yeah. You need yeah. you need to speculate or um, like really state this clearly because you can drink your pee when it's clear, but once it starts turning yellow, now all of a sudden your body is building up a waste factor. Right. Okay. It's not just going in one end, being filtered and going out the other. Now all of a sudden there's a chemical breakdown where your body's building up these like toxins and it's trying to push out the toxins but it doesn't have the fluid to push them out okay so all of a sudden you you're pushing out like ammonia and that's where your pee is really stinking 
Mm-hmm. Once that happens, if you drink that yellow pee, now all of a sudden you're going to be more thirsty and more dehydrated. And that's when you might actually, you're, you're probably going to get diarrhea from you it. I start hallucinating and stuff too, possibly. Yeah. So mm-hmm. let's make that clear. Like drink your pee when it's clear. Not when it's <laughs> not when it's colored. Not when it looks like drink it when it's clear. Not when it looks like beer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if it looks like beer, you're not in the clear, right? <laughs> I just made that up. I don't know. Okay, so <laughs> I think <laughs> yeah, I think this is a good spot to kind of uh, go over like the the basic things that like everybody needs to survive so like you know just on a basic level you're gonna need food water shelter and i was like one well put them in order though water 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 food food, and then shelter and then clothing to keep warm those are like the like the four basic things like everybody really should have Mm -hmm. so we've gone over water food um food is something that you can kind of it's almost something you have to plan out so, like, I mean, obviously, I don't think that canned food's always the best thing to have. Um, but you can, like, you can always, like, when you go to the grocery store, let's you say you normally eat, honestly. Right. Well, you can plan it out to where, like, you always have extra food and you're rotating your can stock. Yeah. So, like, let's say you normally buy, like, two cans of beans, baked beans or whatever, because, mm-hmm. you know, maybe that's only the, – the, you might only eat baked beans once a week and you buy food once every two weeks, whatever. So, start buying four and then start ro- – you know, rotate the stock. Don't just leave one in the bag. Rotate your stock in your pantry or your cupboards. Um, but just continually buy just a little bit extra every time. That way you're always, you've, you're starting to build up your pantry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you're always rotating it, getting the habit of that. And if you don't know what I mean, basically you take the new stuff, you put it in the back of like, let's say you have 10 cans of beans. Now you've, you've saved up, you take the new, the, the 11th and 12th, 13th and 14th cans of beans. You put those in the back behind all the other ones you pull the other ones forward and then you go to the store you know you use two or three in that week so now you're down from 14 from 10 you went up to 14 now you're down to 12 um you go to the store you buy another four that would make 16 you take the the new four you just bought and you put those in the back just like a grocery store does you're rotating your stock Mm-hmm. You're always going to put your stuff in the back and pull the older stuff forward. So you're constantly getting, you know, everything's getting used and it's not sitting there too long. Not that it matters a whole lot when it comes to canned food, because I think canned food can sit for years before it's really not any good. But just so, you know, maybe you're comfortable with eating, you know, fresh baked canned beans or whatever you're rotating your stock just get in the habit of buying an extra can or two every time of whatever you normally might buy um just so you have extra food in your pantry and then when your pantry pantry gets too full maybe start having uh uh like a bucket or uh not a bucket uh a storage container or whatever that you're starting to put stuff in when it, your pantry's starting to get too full, you can, you know, just start kind of building up your canned food stock and make sure you're getting stuff like tuna or salmon and sardines. Sardines are supposed to be super, super good because they're really sustainable. They have a lot of 
the things that you need for meat and their fish. So if you're vegan, not vegetarian, but if you're vegan, a lot of vegans will still eat fish sometimes. You know, that's something that you could be like, I guess if you have some kind of guilt thing about meat or fish, whatever, I don't know. You could probably still eat that and be okay because sardines are really sustainable. They're they're like, I don't know, the rabbits of the sea, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you know, that's what I've heard. I don't know. I, I, do wanna, I do want to point out that we keep a lot of beans and rice um, because you, you those two things, too. yeah, all dry, all dry. I've yeah. got them in different containers and yeah, like a whole lot, but not, yeah, not like a lot, but I've got enough that if I had to make it like a month without buying anything, beans and rice together form like a complete a protein. Yeah. Full protein, a complete protein. So yeah. those two things together in like a soup with just a little bit of water will sustain Rosal. you. Yeah, it'll sustain yeah. you for quite a long time. It'll yeah, suck. I'm not saying it's. Is- I'm not saying this is going to be like you know, like dinner in Vegas eating gigantic T-bone steaks. <clears throat> it's really going to suck, but it will sustain you and potentially like I have enough to sustain my whole family for at least a month, maybe two months. Yeah, and uh, rice. Uh, yeah, that's the other thing I was going to get to. Rice. Rice is, I mean, it's it's cheap. Like in the more in bulk you buy it, the cheaper it gets. Like you can buy a you know a pound for a couple bucks, mm-hmm. but you buy twenty or fifty pounds of rice, that is cheap. Yeah, it gets real cheap real quick. Yeah, and that and it's not going to go bad. I don't think. I mean, we we've bought. I've never bought a. I, I might have bought 20 pounds. I've never bought a 50 pound bag of rice. I think I bought 20 pounds a few times. Mm-hmm. And that'll last us a few months. And we eat rice a lot. Not like every night, but I mean, we lately it hasn't been as much. But there's been weeks where we've had rice maybe four nights a week. Yeah. You and, know, and we make a lot of rice too. Like I make extra because what we don't eat will go into the refrigerator. We can make, you know, fried rice the next day or. I can give it to the dogs because uh, I don't know if you know this, John. Me, you might know this, but we feed our dogs raw meat, raw food, mm-hmm. and sometimes we'll. It, um, it times get tough. We give them a little bit of rice to kind of fill in maybe what they're not getting with their full raw diet, mm-hmm. just to, so they're like they're feeling a little more full and they're not like scarfing down more. Yeah, yeah. Giving, giving more food. they're whining. Um, and usually I, I prefer to give them wild rice. I think that's a little better for, for, um, canines, but I mean, we give them wet, regular white rice too, when it's like leftover and, you know, we don't want to eat it anymore, but yeah, beans, rice, you can live off of for a long time. Yeah. And, and then, um, I mean, spam is not my favorite thing, but it's not the worst thing in the world. And it'll that's last the, like, yeah, a it'll last a long time. time. Yeah. So, I do. I do want to point out a uh, another thing I just recently learned is that for anyone that has like a little toddler like I do, um, like ages one and two, um, probably all the way up to three and four, you can actually put out a bowl full of rice and like a big bowl, and the tactile or tactile functionality of it is they'll place their hands in and something about moving their hands through the grains of rice is like sand. You're saying not cooked? Yeah, not cooked. Not cooked. Okay, okay. Just dry. 
and it's reusable. I mean, it's just your kid's right. hands, so it's not like you, you can can't wash, cook it. Yeah. Right. You can always wash the rice off. In fact, a lot of people like to wash off the starch that's on the rice anyways before they cook it, so yeah. it's less starchy. So, yeah, you can let, let them play with it and then rinse it off before yeah, you cook and it. Yeah, it's something about the way they put their hands through it is like, I don't know. You can see it in their eyes that they're just like in awe. Yeah. Yeah, they're in seventh heaven. And then if yeah, then I if was you just playing with the rice in the room a minute ago. The, <laughs> I didn't go to get the wipes for real. They were sitting here the whole time I was playing with rice. Or the what I wasn't getting the wipes, I was playing with rice. Oh, okay. Well then if you put if you put like other bowls and put a spoon out, they'll actually sit there and it's gonna make a mess, but they'll play like it's sand. And you can do this inside your house, especially now with like you know, like Michigan is still kind of on lockdown. There's not a lot of places you can go. Not a lot of places you can take your kids. There, it's winter time, number one. So everyone's inside anyways. But these are this is like something you can do with your toddler inside your house. You don't have to leave. And they you will see their faces light up like, like they're at the beach playing in the sand. You know? So anyways... Um, spam is a great one. Soup, I, I carry yeah, tons no, of soup. The only thing I would say about spam is it, it is really salty. Mm-hmm. So that's gonna that's gonna sort of dehydrate you. So keep that in mind. It, you know, make sure if you're gonna eat a lot of spam, not a lot, but you know, it's also gonna replace <laughs> those electrolytes you're gonna lose. Yeah, okay, yeah. So you actually so kind of need you have that. water to go with it, though. Yeah, not you're not just dry eating spam because you're starving. Yeah. Well, well, the number one thing about survival is that you are not going to take in enough um, liquid from meat protein that is going to sustain. So if you're looking to eat something and get like juices from it and well, I don't have any water, but I have meat. Don't eat the meat. You need the water before you need the meat because your body actually is going to start to burn calories and burn off fluid while you're eating that meat. And if you don't have the fluids to replace that, then you're actually making yourself sicker. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you need fluids to eat. It goes in order. Liquid, food, (laughs) that's, you know, and then obviously shelter, but... We're just talking about eating and drinking. So you have to have water to keep yourself sustained to be able to eat. If you can't have water, then don't eat because it'd be better off to just hold out. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yep. And um, I was going to highlight something too. So, okay. So we've kind of covered food and water. Um, I think another principal point is just to nobody can ever plan for every little thing as long as you keep that in mind i cannot plan for every little thing but what i can do is i can adapt so thinking outside of the box how can i adapt to a really bad situation you know what can i macgyver together what can I, what pantyhose and a condom and a ballpoint pen can I, what can I do with that to save myself and my family? You know what I mean? Um, yep. It's just learning to adapt, learning to, 
you're given a hard circumstance possibly in the future like you always hear of people stranded in their car in the middle of a blizzard but somehow they survive because they adapt to it you know yeah, yeah and that's that's something i kind of wanted to point it out like we're calling this episode i will survive uh, because i will survive because yeah um I think a lot of people like to wet dream about like the zombie apocalypse and they're just like, Oh yeah, I can't wait till everyone's effing dead. And uh, you know, yeah. there's a bunker under my house. Oh, it's amazing. That's not what we're talking about. I'm talking about there's a storm that hits and the power goes out and you just have to get through the next couple of weeks. I mean, if your power goes out, your fridge is good. Your fridge and freezer are good for maybe three days. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Is it? I'm if saying, you don't open yeah, it. Yeah, if you don't open it. I mean, you, so, yeah, okay, if you don't open it. Um, the longer you leave it open, the quicker it's not going to, you know, going to hold up the cold. Right. Um, we live in Wisconsin, so if... You just take it outside. <laughs> oh, yeah, literally. Okay, so check this out. The house we live in, um, this is a rental. I don't own it. Uh, but there's a food pantry. It's a walk-in. It's kind of designed weird, but it's awesome because it's got a window in there. And in the winter, we keep it cracked, uh, even on the coldest freaking days, because whatever we can't fit in our fridge or freezer, we put in the pantry, like full, like meat. We have meat sitting on the floor in a bucket, not like, you know, not on the floor, but, you know, we have a bucket that we keep like meat and stuff in mm-hmm. because it'll stay cold in there, just like it's a refrigerator. It's actually colder than the refrigerator, but... Um, Hang on one second. <laughs> I just got a message from Rebecca. She's like, "There's no sound. Unmute, unmute your, unmute your, your um, stream yard so Rebecca can hear it." That was my fault. We're we're muting the stream yard. Yeah, but now I got doubles a- of you. Yeah, Hold on. I know. Sorry. Yeah, I can't, oh, dude. I I can't deal with that though. I can't do it either. All right, sorry, Rebecca. We're gonna mute it. I, it's too much. We got we got several things recording, and there's a delay between all the. Oh my god! It's just like I'll, I'll add, like I'll five add the audio you. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll mute it. There we go. Sorry. You can hear the delay coming through. I had the YouTube stream up to to watch it. Um, anyways, so yeah, so we've got this pantry that has a window in it and it's cool because we can keep, we keep our canned foods in there. We keep our fruits and vegetables in there and you know, any kind of meat that we can't fit in the fridge or freezer, um, we put in there in the winter. And what's really nice is in the summer, we close the window and I mean, it doesn't, it's not cold in there, but it stay, it can stay cool in there if we keep the window closed and we put a curtain over it. I mean, the sun never comes in that window anyway. It's a really small window, um, but it, it'll stay cool or cool-ish in the summer. Um, so yeah, I mean, obviously, most people aren't going to have that kind of a situation that we've kind of looked out on that. Matt, you maybe know, I, just, I just thought of something. Okay, something that goes in between. Something that goes in between water, food, and then shelter. Okay, I I think those are all three in place, how they should be. But before clothing, you should have clothing. If you don't have clothing, you got, you know, I don't know. You got got, (laughs) held up and 
gang rape behind some store or something. I don't know, yeah. but I, I don't know why you wouldn't have clothing. But at this point, I'm gonna I'm gonna interject that fire. Fire is the quintessential yes. element that you absolutely have to have. Um, so in my order, I would put water, food, shelter, and then fire. Some people would put fire higher on their list um, because in order to sometimes sterilize the water, you have to have fire. And I get that. I totally get that. But without water, you just have a fire, you know? So, so I, I, I have kind of go hand in hand. I think fire kind of goes in hand in hand with like finding water. Um, you know, if you're out, like say when I go hunting, if I were to get lost in the woods, which... I can't say it would never happen, but I have like a built-in <laughs> directional compass in my head. Uh, I kind of do too. I, I have never gotten lost yet. I'm not saying it can happen. I, I mean, that's ridiculous. And the moment you say that... It's in the woods, happen. I probably could. Yeah. On, on a long journey, I could get lost in the woods. But in a normal... I, I just, I know too much to for that to probably happen. Um, if I number one, if I felt like I was starting to get lost, there are things that you can do along the way to help guide your way back. Um, number one, walk in a straight line. Okay. Number two, you should have a knife on you. I would make little etchings in the trees if I had to. Little indicators, little markers along the way. Compass. Compass. These yeah, are this is everything regular. Yeah. Um, I don't take everyday carry because I don't really leave the house that often. But this is like my backpack that um, I keep my camera in here. Yeah. Because um, to keep the camera safe and I have an, kind of an expensive camera. Um, but that's not only what it's for. That's just the biggest object I keep in my bag. Do you have a fire start? I'll, I'll show you everything I have in my bag right now. Okay. So here's a rape whistle in case I'm getting raped. No. So you, know, honestly, you dude, keep your clothes. Yeah. So in case I in case I run out of clothes, I still got my rape whistle. And if I get raped, bitch, you dead. Anyways, no, I, I think I bought this. Uh, it's it's actually got a, a casing. I didn't buy it for the whistle. It's got a casing to keep matches in. Okay. Um, I got the. There's no matches in here at the moment, but it looks like I have a rubber proof seal on it. I'm yep, assuming. right there. And then you can wear it around your neck with this. Uh, really crappy little cord. It's got the compass on it, which that's important to have. Okay. It's got the rape whistle in case you're getting raped. Um, I think this is like two bucks at Walmart. I don't I don't remember what I paid, but it was affordable. Uh, in the camping section, I got this this knife when I was in Massachusetts uh, when I worked in Massachusetts for a couple months. Mm-hmm. It was like fifteen bucks. I got this at Walmart. It's not a great knife, but um, it's got one of those seatbelt cutters. If you're in, in a car accident yep. and you go in the water and you need to get out of your vehicle, you can cut your seatbelt and then the tip right there to break the window so you can get out of your vehicle. Uh, and the knife is, eh. It has a those flashlight. I, hey, yeah. I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, those are really good to have, but those, um, the window breakers, the, it's harder than you think. So uh, I'm yeah, going to tell, tell you a little tip that will really help that, okay? okay. The tip is to go into the corner of the window corner where the, the corner. yeah do okay. not go where it's completely convex in the middle that's your innate thought is to just hit it in the middle but it's at its weakest in the far corners so that makes sense pick a corner like where it's actually cornered out at a 90 degree angle 
and hit it in that corner. That's its weakest point. I have tried many, many of those. We tried a bunch of those. Okay. Um, what actually works the best, even though it's illegal to carry around with you, <laughs> but in a post-apocalyptic zombie overtaking, if you needed to bust out a window, um, a spark plug, a crushed up spark plug, the porcelain this up is spark, plug? spark yeah. plug. Yeah. Yeah, it is here. Why? Um, well, <laughs> I'm okay, telling never you. Mind. <laughs> Never mind. I'll take your word for it, John. <laughs> I'm telling you, a little piece this big of that porcelain from the spark plug, all you have to do is throw it like that, and it will literally shatter a window. Really? Completely out. I have video on wow. it. I've done it. No, I haven't released really video. I just didn't know that. Okay, so yeah. here's um here's the fire starter I have. It's actually attached attached to my bag. There's a little hook right here. Um, I'll try to. Balance the bag on my oh, knee. I got the same the, one. I have the, the exact the same one. Yeah. 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 So check this out. This is so cool. I, as a test, I don't remember how many years ago, I was like, you know what? I'll bet these stupid TSA people don't even know what the frick one of these are. Mm-hmm. I've taken these on planes every time. I take my bag on. I always have one of these. Not that I want to start a fire in a plane or anything. I just want to see because these are not that expensive to replace if they get taken away. Right. But I just want to see if I can get it on the plane with me because I keep it in my bag anyway. You I'm not going to lighter just, though. I mean, to be fair, I have a lighter. I have a lighter right here. Yeah. Um, I have a Zippo lighter and a regular lighter. Yeah. Um, I, I don't. I think I have my Zippo lighter in here at the moment. There's my regular Bic lighter. Uh, I don't ever, I don't smoke anymore. I don't need it, but I keep a regular Bic lighter in there. Um, I used to have a zip, Zippo lighter in there. I keep li- uh, Zippo lighter fluid. I've taken this on planes. You'd be surprised what you can get away with. It's kind of funny. But yeah, you, I don't know. Yeah, you can see it spark a little bit. Yeah. So um, I've taken these on planes. I don't say anything. It's just like, you know, as long as you're not trying to blow the plane up or whatever. You, I've t- I take this everywhere I go in my bag. Mm-hmm. So you can start a fire no matter what if you're trying to survive. They also make the uh, the magnesium ones where you actually cut away a piece of the magnesium. Mm-hmm. And you can cut away as much as you want. And then on the other one, there's a striker to it. So then mm-hmm. you strike it. And it, the moment one of those... Uh, sparks hits the magnesium you have like a a serious ball of flame like a pretty significant flame like instantly so because you're you're igniting the magnesium yeah yeah they're like three bucks i've had those i've gotten those before too and taken those on planes with me as well because for the most part most people don't take don't use those or carry those with them Mm -hmm. with you and the TSA just doesn't even know what that is, as far as I know. Like I said, I don't know how many flights I've taken, and I've always carried one of those on the plane with me in my bag. They've never taken it away from me, ever. Well, I've carried lighters, though. I mean, they've never stopped me or held me up about a lighter. Yeah. You know? Maybe back, maybe like 15 years ago, they probably would have, but not, not, I don't think it's as big of a deal now. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, I've got a cheap... This this light, too, it has a light on it. It doesn't work. I don't know why, but the bad... I don't know if the battery's just never worked. And, mm. But it's got a tiny little light on it. It's for 15 Signaling. bucks. It, 
me i guess but it's just never worked hmm. you know and I, I bought the knife brand new but yeah just to keep a knife on you just in case you need to cut something yeah your bag and i think again i bought this in massachusetts and we flew from massachusetts back to wisconsin and it didn't get taken out of my i don't remember if i put it in my bag or my suitcase but i mean i've got it here so i got it here somehow yeah uh, i don't remember exactly that was a couple years ago but yeah so just um i don't have the matches on me but at walmart there's like uh windproof matches and the do you know the tip that you strike it at lights i don't know what that's called is that magnesium uh, whatever the um, kind of match that lights yeah yeah so they have like these windproof ones and there's like that much of that stuff on the match so even if it's like really windy you know they won't uh blow out i i had some of those in my little rape whistle here um and i i don't know if i used them or i don't know for whatever starting the grill outside i don't know but i've got more of them those you can get at walmart for maybe two or three bucks for a pack of 15 or 20 of those weatherproof windproof matches and i've tested them outside like i was like it's kind of windy out i you know i struck it and let it and it was like they lit dude so for a couple bucks it's worth having on you some matches that you keep instead of a rape whistle with a compass Mm-hmm. Just in case you need them, you know, this stuff you can throw in your purse or your bag and it's not going to take up a ton of space. Like I said, this is like my camera bag. I take my camera with me and I also have a knife, a whistle, a compass, you know, lighter fluid, all that stuff. Just in case. And that stuff's never happened to me. I've never gotten trapped in the woods where I've needed this stuff. But if it happens, I've got it. Right. Better to have it and not need it than need yep. it and not have it. Yep. That's kind of my, I kind of live by that philosophy. I do, I do want to point out, you can actually cut those matches um, in, you, you can cut them smaller than halves, but let's say that you wanted to, that was all you were going to get. And you don't know the next time you're going to be able to find matches. Okay. Mm -hmm. Or a fire starter for that matter. You can actually cut those matches safely in half with the sharp knife like down long ways down yep long ways down the middle and use each half so now you've doubled up all your matches assuming you have a good striker to right. strike it on now, keep in mind if if you're in a situation where you have to have a fire mm-hmm. to survive my my uh, advice would be to make sure that fire never goes out. Keep it lit all the time, so you only have to start the fire the one time. That also that requires require fuel for it, though. Yeah, a lot of work. Mm-hmm. But Which, that would be the, the ideal situation. But um, that work also comes at a price of calories and water. Mm-hmm. So true. Just to keep a fire going is going to require fuel for your body and fuel for the fire. So you're going to have to constantly be going, you know, hopefully it never gets that bad. You never have to, but that's where it comes back to. Can you adapt? Right. Can you adapt to a really nasty situation? It might cost you something. It might cost you a lot of something, something that most people would not, you know, I always think about that one guy that got trapped in the ca- in the Canyon and his arm was mm-hmm. pinned in the, in the boulder. Yep. 
And he took a pocket knife and cut off his arm. Allegedly. Allegedly. Yeah. And then turn tourniqueted it up. You know, that that kind of thing is adapting to a really bad situation. But without that willingness to adapt, he would not have survived. So sometimes the cost is significant. Sometimes the cost is not as significant, but there's still a cost. So just keep that in mind. Adaptation comes with the cost. Are you there, Matt? I'm here. I'm just typing to the chat. Let me oh. hear your sexy voice. <laughs> hey, hey. Hey, guys. Hey, you guys. <laughs> Okay, so Chunk. there's a couple of things I want to I want to um go over quickly before I forget. Um, go over. Um, so there's a website I'm going to throw out there and a podcast. Um, now I haven't listened to this podcast in quite a few years. Uh, no particular reason other than I just don't. That's okay. it. <laughs> there's no there's no like reason other than that. But I used to listen to it all the time, especially when I was a truck driver and I had hours a day to listen to whatever I wanted. And that's The Survival Podcast. Um, so you can Google it and find it. Um, a lot of stuff, I a lot of these tips that I kind of came across, um, I've heard there. They also talk about like kind of like homesteading and gardening, um, a lot of stuff. It's not just survival stuff, but it's like a lot of like stuff getting your life with skill set i would say you know developing your life to have a skill set to live and survive no matter what that's kind of the idea of the podcast of the survival podcast um again i haven't listened to it in years so i don't know what it's like now but back in the day you know that was kind of like what the episodes were about mm-hmm. uh, and one of the guests they had on there his name was Steve Harris. And actually, at one point, he lived in Warren, Michigan, where, you know, you know where Warren's mm-hmm. at, you know, right next to Detroit. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think he lives there now, but he actually has a couple of books out. I have a couple of them, one of them. Um, this, you might not be able to read it because it might be reversed. Oh, no, it's not. Sunshine, the dollars. Um, in this book, he kind of goes over like, the most efficient way to create solar power for almost no money at all. Hmm. Uh, And I'm not going to go over it in there, but it is possible to find ways to get used slightly damaged, but still working solar panels for little or no money at all and build up solar power in your backyard or whatever so that you can create in an emergency situation enough power to just have the basic things on like your refrigerator or whatever and in this book he kind of talks all about that um he about, also talked oh, oh no go ahead go ahead i'm sorry. okay yeah, i was gonna i was gonna say he talks about a lot of stuff that's really cool his name is steve harris um steveharris.net and he, all of the different websites he has um, are linked in steveharris.net. Um, he also t- teaches you how to build a, oh God, what is it called? A sun oven, I think it's called. Do you know what a sun oven is? Mm-mm. It's basically like a box. You can make it in a small box. And he actually shows you how you can take um, a used 
used bathtub to make one. So you can make it small or you can make it as big as a bathtub. And you can use the sun to basically cook a loaf of bread for free. I mean, okay. these are all things you could find that are, you know, you're not going to buy a brand new tub to do this. You could find a scrapped tub that someone's throwing out, clean it out, and then he teaches you, like, how to make this oven uh, that you would put in the sun and you could bake bread in it. And he also has this class that's uh, in, it's from, I forgot one, it's from the early 2000s, but this is when he lived in Warren. Um, he actually did this class in Warren because of the 2003 blackout. What was that? 2003, the blackout. You remember that hit like the East Coast of America? We talked about it before. Whatever year that was, I can't remember right now. But he did a class based on that event afterwards to teach people like basic skills like we're talking about, so that if the shit hits a fan. You can have something to eat. Um, one of the things he talks about is how to make a, a bread. It's kind of like a pita more, but um, look, I, I had Rebecca send me the recipe. I'm pulling it up right now. Give me a moment. Well, uh, let me let me add in. Sure, go ahead. You know, that's a really significant point, the brownout, blackout, okay, mm-hmm. is because earlier you brought up that people like to glorify like a zombie apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Hollywood's made what a million movies Shows. on zombies. Yeah. I mean, dating date seventeen seasons now. Yeah, entertainment on zombies has gone back all the way to you know, um, all the way to Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. Okay, so dating back to the eighteen hundreds, where it was first conceived, but in real life, when you know crap hits the fan shit hits the fan it's like that brownout or blackout mm-hmm. where you know if anyone was around during that period and you were out and about at stores you've seen you know people riding and we're seeing people riding now like you know recently so these kinds of situations it's not really that glorify it shouldn't be that glorified you should just know how to survive through it because in the brownout blackout there was no electricity some people didn't have water because their water was connected to electricity like a well or whatever yeah the electric pump yeah so for anybody who has an electric pump i would say figure out a way to get a manual pump installed as a backup because that you have to have water and you can't depend on generators because the gas pumps are supplied by electricity so when electricity goes out so does the gasoline yeah and in that particular brownout it was hard to find gas i remember yeah remember Um, remember i drove out to um what was it it was out by your parents yeah we we talked about this before i don't remember if it was on the podcast but during that blackout there was um there's a store chain in Michigan from Michigan, but it's another state. It's called Meyer, M-E-I-J-E-R. And at this time, John and I did know each other, but we didn't know that we were in the same place at the same time that day. Um, Kevin and Eric, uh, my buddies, we, at, during this blackout, we had gone to Meyer to grab whatever, I don't even remember, a flashlight, I think is what we needed. Um, and I lived what an hour away. 
at least South Line's at least an hour from where I forget what city that's yeah. in. But when I was at work, the power went out. I think mid afternoon, and I was released from work. I had just got paid. I went to the bank. I cashed my check. I had like, I made a lot of money back then. But I think for two weeks work, I had like fifteen, sixteen hundred bucks, something like that. Maybe, maybe a little more. In three or four or whatever. Was that? I'm saying the year. So to put in perspective the amount of money during the, you know, almost 20 years ago. Yeah. I I had a good amount of money from like two weeks worth of paycheck, you know, and I just had cash on me at that point. I was a young kid, had a bunch of cash. So here I am with like 1600 bucks and someone tells me there's no gas, there's no power, somebody at work. And they were like, all right, we're going to release you. I knew I was empty on gas. Absolutely knew it. And I was like, well, crap, man, where am I going to get gas? Someone tells me at my work that he heard on the news that there was still power out at that mire. Where was that at? Was that in Mount Clemens or? He, I think so. I can't remember the exact city, but I mean, it's off of I-94 in 12 mile, 11 mile, something like that. I don't yeah, I don't know what city it was, but seven years. So yeah, I knew I wasn't. But, I wasn't completely on E. I had like a quarter of a tank left, and I thought you, I, get it. I could at least get there and then get some gas when I got there. You know, and I don't remember if we had heard that that Meyer still had power. I don't. I don't know. I don't remember the situation, but for whatever reason, Eric and Kevin and I ended up at the same. Meyer at the same time John is we never ran into John but I remember when we were there we went to go grab a flashlight there was like one left and then the power goes out and you were there when the power I went was out there too, yeah, yeah I was we just didn't know until years later I went and in to get water lost it and it like turned into a shit show real quick yeah like in the blink of an eye when the power went out they were running on yeah, they, were, they were running on generators and the moment those generators I was grabbing water down you know down the aisle with the water mm-hmm. which just happens to be where you know the alcohol and everything like that is mm-hmm. you know there's chips there's water there's alcohol there's everything kind of around around that area the moment the power went out I had like a case of water and I just dropped it like right away I was like okay something I need to like really pay attention what's going on I seen people just grabbing bottles of booze and throwing them in a cart and there was screaming mass pandemonium I mean just people I seen an old lady like an an elderly lady like probably 80 years old just get trampled by a bunch of people they just like she fell over and they were just like walking over her like she wasn't even there everyone's screaming pushing carts literally shopping carts of alcohol out the front door just pushing them out they're not even buying they're just like we need we need the alcohol happened but in my mind i just remember the power going out and everyone going oh (laughs) like someone was like oh come on I don't know if that actually happened or if I made that up in my mind, but that's just kind of how I'm remembering it. It's just everyone's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> but I remember we were like, yeah, we need to get out of here quick at that point. Um, I don't remember if what, I don't remember if we got our flashlight or not, but 
Do you remember people screaming and all of that? I remember Eric and Kevin knocked over a display for fun. Yeah, and we're talking before cell phones, really. I mean, cell phones were around, but they weren't like... There were cell phones. They were cell phones. They were green screen. Pre-smartphone. Yeah, pre-smartphone. No flashlights. Um, I don't think the ones even had cameras on them at that point yet, right? Yeah, they were probably like a two megapixel camera that took really grainy pictures. Were they? Yeah. I can't remember. I mean, they were pretty bad. Really, really bad. I'm not pretty sure. That, I'm not sure they had flashlights either, and people that had them no, didn't have a lot of. Them. No, I'm pretty sure that's like a smartphone thing. There's a flashlight or smartphone and beyond. Yeah. I don't think the phones had flashlights on them at that. Yeah. Point. So when the power went out at that time, the power really went out. It was like I remember. I don't even remember the the you know the security lights coming on at all because they had completely tapped their their generators i remember it was like yeah, no you, power you, i don't remember if there was any either i just remember it got kind of dark in there i mean it wasn't nighttime yet yeah it was in the evening and i remember it got dark in there not like you couldn't see but you know dark dark for store. yeah in a store with a whole lot of people and, I, and I'm sure we've talked about this before because I know we went over this this uh, blackout situation on one of our one of our first podcasts, I think. But that's kind of my point of this whole conversation is to have some things that you need just in case. And I'm going to bring up that recipe my wife has. So in that in one of the Steve Harris uh, presentations that he did. Not on the survival podcast, but it's something that he has linked on one of his websites. He has a recipe for like emergency bread or emergency tortillas. Um, it's flour, oil, salt. You mix the uh, mix it into a dough. I don't have the exact measurements, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, but just so you've got an idea of what what you need on hand, you can play with it beforehand and kind of figure it out. Um, and I'm sure there's tutorials on YouTube. But flour oil salt you mix into a dough uh, make it into golf ball size rolls and then flatten it with a rolling pin uh you can uh, cook on a pan so like a, a frying pan or whatever on both sides in, t- in less than a minute on each side and then you essentially have like an emergency bread or tortilla so this flour you're just gonna get like a regular flour um nothing special nothing fancy unless you you have an allergy or something like a regular like a regular flower you can get in the store um steve harris talks about this in his presentation why he recommends getting this is because there's something about the way it's bleached and processed i know for like a lot of people who are into like you know being healthy that's not ideal but in a survival situation that's going to change um this just the regular flour you can leave in your pantry it's not going to go bad bugs aren't going to infest it Hmm. um and you can use it to eat in a survival situation so if you don't normally use regular flour um and you you, i don't know if you use like some kind of non-gluten stuff you might want to try and fool around with the recipe and see what you can get and then make sure you're rotating your stock so you always have something on hand but for people who can eat like a regular flour i would suggest always having a 
five pound bag of flour or whatever in your pantry along with oil and salt play with the recipe again i don't know what off the top of my head you can go to steveharris.net and his presentation he gives the exact measurements and um at the very least if you've got fire if you've got you know all those basic things you can have something to eat and if you've collected canned food like we have suggested you're not going to go hungry you're going to have something and you know and for this blackout situation that happened i think the power was out for a while i don't remember how long it was it was like a week yeah it was it was like at least a week so your refrigerator isn't going to keep food um at an ambient temperature that's good that you know that you need it to be at for that long um, so that's another thing he kind of talks about, Steve Harris, in one of his presentations is when the power goes out, um, he kind of gives uh, an idea of what what you need to eat first because you're not going to be able to keep your fridge raw. I mean, you don't know when the power's coming back. So he's like, eat your ice cream first because that's going to melt. And, you know, you can eat it and have it or you can just let it melt and, you know, throw it out. What would you rather do if you're trying to, you know, you don't know when the power's going to come back on? Eat it. So eat the ice cream first. Go through the things in the freezer and um, eat, like, the ice cream and stuff that you can't keep, like, at all. You know, like, if you were to take it out of the freezer and leave it on the counter and five hours later it's no good, eat that stuff first. You know, kind of prioritize what you can and can't. Like, there's certain things you can probably let sit out at a more room temperature and they'll be okay for a while. Those things you're going to eat last. Things that, like, ice cream eat that first because that's going to melt you might as well eat it you know so he kind of gives an idea of what order to eat what you have in your freezer and refrigerator if the power goes out and you don't know when it's coming back on um and i you know i think that's a good presentation to listen to um what's something else i was going to kind of go over i think i think that's kind of i kind of covered i went over the water thing the, the water distiller i think is really important um you can if you don't have the money for it just kind of try and save up for it i think having access to clean water is super important again you're going to need power for that well and also there there's a million um survival shows out there not just podcasts but actual video shows that you can youtube and watch and if you need to make like a you know on the fly lean to or you know any kind of like outside kind of survival shelter just go on youtube google it you will pull up millions yeah you'll have like a video overload um yeah and like i said make sure you know how to in case you have to make an earth filter for water mm -hmm. so all you have is pond water you can make an earth filter and you can drink something if mm-hmm. there's no power to distill water or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's not, it's not super hard. You just have to know how to do it. Yeah. So that's all I got for survival, man. I mean, you can go into more detail, but the rest, I honestly, I think they can just look up online, especially like building shelters, building snares. Um, yeah, a lot of this stuff dependent on where you live like john and i live in the midwest mm-hmm. you know it's humid here you know if you live in the desert and you live like in i don't know arizona or nevada 
some of the stuff isn't going to matter to you. It's not going to pertain because the climate is completely different. Yeah. So a lot of this information is going to be dependent on where you live. And, and not only that, but it, I, I see it like all arrows point back to just being able to be flexible with the situation that you're in and being able to adapt to it. As long as you, you're flexible and can adapt to whatever situation you are in, um, you can maintain positivity no matter what, you'll survive. That Even if you've never seen a tutorial on how to build a shelter, even if you've never watched a tutorial on or listened to anything else, as long as you can be, you know, positive and try to be, you know, adaptive to the situation that you're in and try to think outside of the box, how can I survive? you can pretty much put your mind in a place to where you will survive no matter what. Right. And I think that is your greatest tool. What were you going to say, Matt? Oh yeah. I was just going to say, um, it's winter now. This is January. Mm -hmm. This is actually a warmer January for us, but typically in January, it gets extremely cold in Wisconsin. I'm talking 20 below zero Mm -hmm. actual temperature, not wind chill. Wind chill is like 30, 40 below zero. One thing, that I, um, I try to always do. We have a blanket in the car. Yeah. I have several jackets. I know it's it's kind of cluttery. It looks kind of trashy. But I'd rather have the extra jackets for my family to keep warm in if the car breaks down. Yeah. And we're waiting for a tow or whatever. Like three hours. Right. You don't know. I mean, I live in central Wisconsin. If I went on an hour trip somewhere and broke down, <laughs> I could be screwed. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? For a lot of people, that may not be a big deal. They may live, you know, an hour, you know, an hour is nothing. You know, in Detroit, an hour, you're still in the city. Yeah. But out here, you go an hour, well, you know, or southeast, west, you're, dude, you go 10 minutes in any direction, you're in the woods. Well, even here, where you go an hour in any direction, you're going to, you're going to be in some kind of town or city. You know what I mean? But even yeah. here, I've been on accident scenes where someone was rear-ended and we actually waited what was it three three and a half hours for the police to get there there was no there was no police and had we not showed up the person that got rear-ended their car wasn't you know the one that actually do the rear-ending the one that hit him their car wasn't running there's antifreeze all over the ground their cars all busted up it's not starting and it's cold out. So what are you going right. to do for three hours waiting for the police to show up? Yeah. I mean, if it's, if it's, you know, zero degrees out, which isn't super cold, really, but it is if you're got no shelter. Yeah. I mean, having a blanket and a coat and a way to make fire if you have to yeah. could be the difference between dying yeah. in the woods in Wisconsin in the middle of winter mm-hmm. at night or living yeah, I would argue that anywhere where you're gonna get bad weather, rain, yeah. snow, doesn't matter. Yeah, and if you and if you live south of us, like Arkansas or whatever, tornadoes. Yeah, I mean we have tornadoes here, but not not as often. I mean, there's natural disasters all over the place. Any given moment, anything can happen. You live out west, earthquakes. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're you're not safe for you. You live on the coast anywhere in the east or the south hurricanes mm-hmm. 
you're not safe anywhere really so you know this stuff is supposed to be like just in case anything happens you know it's not like build a bunker under your house and you're hiding from the government because you're paranoid and i've been there before believe me yeah. not anymore but, you know i mean i know this is yeah <clears throat> but you know and i want i want people i want to try to help people in any way that i can if mm-hmm. i can this knowledge if you want to call it that knowledge can help people then so be it and then um i think and now that is there any, okay, so let's see. We've talked about water. We've talked about food. We've kind of talked about fire and shelter, um, clothing. Mm-hmm. I've talked about, you know, I've, I've got several, like three or four jackets in the car. Um, anything else as far as the, those kind of things you want to kind of talk about? Not that I can think of. I mean, I was just telling you... Uh, when I stepped outside that I have a heating heated jacket that's kind of pricey I don't recommend everyone just buy a heated jacket I just bought it because I go outside a lot so it's I've, mine I've had, yeah. mine has like a battery pack on it so it lasts I think five hours uh, I can pick three different temperatures um, yep. and if I want to recharge it I have one of the little portable chargers about this big and it uses the same cord to charge my phone that yep. it does to charge my battery on my jacket. So, my buddy Jason, when we were in Massachusetts uh, for that uh, gas line disaster that we were there for like several months for, mm-hmm. he ended up buying one. And yeah, he could charge his phone off of it while he was standing outside all day. Yep. And the jacket would last him all day long. Um, I don't have, they don't make them as far as I know in my size. I need at least a three or four X jacket to go up to like one or two X. So, I, I didn't buy one. They don't, and as far I haven't checked since, but I don't need one now. But I don't. I work inside. I don't work outside now. But um, yeah, getting one of those battery-operated jackets could mean the difference between. I mean, it could be the difference between frostbite or not. You never know. Yeah, uh, they are kind of pricey, so I'm not. Don't make that a priority. Just have a jacket. Yeah, we'll start with a jacket before you get a battery. Blankets in the car. Some granola bars, something you guys can eat. I mean, obviously, if it's cold, the water's going to be an issue because it's going to, you know, it might freeze. Mm-hmm. I've left bottles of water in my car in the winter, and it's frozen when I get out there, and it never thaws. You can put so it that, up in your jacket, though, in between you yeah. and your jacket. It'll, yeah, it'll thaw out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, you could always eat snow if you had to, I guess. I, mean, I think that I, dehydrates I, you, though. Cause you're, Does it? Yeah, because you're taking in a lot, and it's cold when it goes down. Oh, so you're, you're heating your body's heating it up. Yeah, so your body's heating it up, which is burning more than actually right. what you're taking in. Yeah. So just drink your pee, guys. Come on. Just drink your pee. Drink your pee. Drink your pee. It's got to be warm yeah. and clear. <laughs> <laughs> if it's not, you can put it in the ice and dilute it. Right? <laughs> I'm making this up as I go. Right. If it's really yellow... Put it, you know, put it in the ice. They call me mellow yellow. Yeah. <laughs> yellow. Dude, I had some mellow yellow today. I don't drink soda that often, but we went out and... You seen the mellow yellow and you couldn't resist? Well, I mean, it was a buffet and they... We don't drink soda almost ever, but... Yeah. You know, there's mellow yellow there. I grabbed some. Yeah, but I, I don't, don't... I don't ever drink up. soda. Like... I, I would say the only time I'll have soda is when I get like a Coke from McDonald's. 
and I don't, I don't eat McDonald's. I don't eat McDonald's, but every now and then I'm just like, I'll be driving home at like two thirty in the morning, like, you know, a cheeseburger and a Coke sounds really fantastic. (laughs) But yeah, that's all I got. You got anything else? Um, not specifically related to this topic. However, where's my phone? Um, I did find some articles pertaining to previous topics we have talked about. Mm-hmm. I'm only going to read their headlines to some of these. I'm not going to go into great detail okay. um, because it's not fresh in our minds, and I don't think it's worth getting into too much craziness over. But when we talked about uh, whether or not Chernobyl, oh, well, okay, when we talked about whether or not nuclear bombs are real versus nuclear power, and then we kind of got into Chernobyl a little bit. I did find an article talking. Let me find it. I have like 13 pages up on my phone on my browser. Mm, do I still have it? Maybe I don't. Oh, it's not this browser. It's a different browser. Yeah, I use like four browsers. I use Google, and then I have an iPhone, so that comes with Safari, and then I use DuckDuckGo, and then sometimes I use Firefox. No, I rarely use that one. DuckDuckGo is supposed to be private. Okay, so I decided to just look up articles recently, within the last couple months, not super recently, but we haven't done a ton of podcasts this year, so recently for our podcasts. Um... And one article I found, it's titled Chernobyl Stories, The Beekeepers. It's not really a super fantastic, like, article title. Um, But this one kind of talks about, like, the bees in the Chernobyl area and how the people that still live there are utilizing the bees for their benefit. Um... You know, I just had a thought. What's that? You know, if you bypass using Zencast, or you can just stream and record off of OBS. I probably could. The problem is I never really learned how to use OBS. Uh... It, it's not easy to use. There's a lot to it. And I don't have a lot of extra time in my daily life. Okay, so another article I found, this is from The Guardian, which I'm pretty sure is a British uh, company. Uh, journal? Whatever. Newspaper? I don't know. The The Guardian, it's uh, Chernobyl. The wildlife haven created when the people left. And then this one kind of talks about, like, the wildlife that's still there. Um, and the not, you know, never left. Um, and they've got a massive, in this picture, they have a giant moose um, that's just kind of chilling there in Chernobyl. Um, I had another article. I don't know if I have it in this list or not. Yes, I do. So this article is from metro.co.uk, so another UK newspaper company. Um, the Chernobyl residents who refused to leave against all government and safety advice. And this one talks about um, some families who just refused to leave 
they're still alive and well today. I mean, let's see, when was this written? When the article was written. I'm not going to say today, but this was written in October of 2019. So as of when this person wrote the article, the people in Chernobyl that didn't ever leave. You mean uh, appropriate or Chernobyl? Chernobyl. Before it melted down. Did yeah, but that was the factory. Like, the city was right. appropriate, and it was, like, 10 miles away or something. Uh, it, it actually says in this article how far the people, some of the people live, but I'm, I am I don't... I think there was a pretty wide area that was supposed to have been restricted by the government or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the exact mileage, but there was... Let's see. It says... It says here that it's... It's not supposed to have been safe for 20,000 years, give or take. <laughs> give or take, you know. Give or take, I don't know, 19,000 years. <laughs> um, it says there was 100,000 people living close to Chern- Chernobyl within a 20-mile... Uh, within a tw- Outside of the 20-mile exclusion zone. So there was a lot of people that lived in the area at the time. And um, there was about 150 to 300 people who just would not leave and uh, some of those people are still alive today some of them they have pictures of some of them they're very old so some of the ones that may not be alive today may have just died of old age but um whoever did this article went there and interviewed some of the people and let's see this is like i said metro.co.uk the name of the article again is the Chernobyl residents who refuse to leave against all government and safety advice. So I'm sure if you Google that, you can find the article and read it. Um, yeah, so I just found it interesting how like <coughs> it just goes to show that yeah, um, nuclear power does exist, but is it really as dangerous as we were all led to believe it was? I don't know. I don't think it was. Um, so just kind of a catch up on some of the other previous shows we had done before. I don't think I had anything. I just remember looking those up and thought I'd mention those in an episode. Um, was there anything that you want to bring up regarding your, do you have a channel anymore that you use, utilize YouTube? No, not on YouTube. Um, uh, so if you want to follow us on YouTube, this is it's going to be Campfire Conversationalists is the name of the channel. Um, we have seven subscribers, bro. Seven. Yes. I never promote it, so it's not like I expect there to be any. That's how it all starts, um, brother. That's how it all and starts. Hey, hey, there's one person watching right now. You know who it is? Becca. No, it's me. <laughs> She's not even watching. I, I just have it up because I just wanted to make sure it was working okay. I will say this. I remember I'm not trying to my numbers. I remember having just one and two subscribers for like years. Like two or three years. And then one day I released this, I released a stu- I released a stupid video that I was just messing around because by that point I was just all about messing around and I released a stupid video and all of a sudden I get like my channel explodes and it was off of a stupid video that I didn't put any time or effort into I was just literally messing around you know go figure 
Yep. But. That's how it goes sometimes. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think that's all I have on okay. this episode. And we're doing um, another I one, think, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Tomorrow. Think, do you, what time is it now? It's like one thirty. I got some. I got a couple things I got to do before bed. So. Yeah, I'm. I'm probably gonna be up all night because I. Slept until noon and went to bed at like five or six in the morning. So I'll probably be up late today. Okay. We can do another so one tomorrow, through, though. Yeah, tomorrow. We'll, uh, and then tomorrow, we'll, uh, for people listening, it won't be tomorrow. It'll probably be a week down the road. Yeah. What did we see we're going to discuss? I'm trying to remember now. We'll see oh, yeah, stuff about killer. serial killers. More serial killer stuff. Woo. Yes. No, I, I found a while ago a... What's the word I'm looking for? A study? Mm-hmm. A study done by a university about serial killers. And I found it fascinating because <laughs> everything that I thought I knew about serial killers in the United States of America was a lie. Well, according to this. Study. Yeah, according to this study. And I'm not even convinced of it, honestly. Yeah, so what just do we by, do talk just about? Just by sheer numbers and components, how you would have to correlate that and make sure that that data is accurate is the FBI keeps a very, very good track record of that stuff. And it's all public information, most of it. So it could be cross-referenced. It could be. I mean, I'm not going to do it tonight and figure it out by tomorrow, but yeah. it could be done. To have it be so, reliable, you know. Right. Uh, so we'll go over that kind of um, statistics. And the only reason I want to kind of talk about it is because I found it fascinating that everything that I had kind of thought was the stereotypical serial killer, um, this study says otherwise. And I was like, what? Allegedly. Allegedly. Uh, <laughs> But then again, a lot of what I thought a serial killer was is based off of what I've seen in either Hollywood or the mainstream media, which is not necessarily reliable. So it's possible that this article, or not article, this study could be accurate. Again, we, we'll we look into it more tomorrow and figure out what we think. Um, I'm trying to think, was there anything else we wanted to go over? I feel like there was something else I wanted to bring up, but I can't remember now. However... It is time for us to go. Let's go. Let's go, yo. Yo, yo. So, follow us on Facebook, Campfire Conversations Podcast. Check us out on YouTube, Campfire Conversation Lists. Conversation um, Lists. I'm, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just go with Campfire Combo. That sounds way more trendy. Yo, I like trendy. Campfire Combo, combo yo. <laughs> survive <laughs> as long as I have my as long as I know how to love I know. as long as I have my butthole wipes on my side I will survive I will be able to wipe my butt I will survive alright you want to close it out I don't even remember with the outro now man I don't know either mm-hmm. alright well I'm John and he's Matt <laughs> but not really. I'm Matt and John. <laughs> and we're out. We're out. And thanks for listening to the Campfire Conversationalist podcast. Don't forget to check us out on 
Facebook and on YouTube. And tell everybody about us if you like us. If not, don't tell anybody about us at all.